Let us pray. God, many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. And so as we share these words of love, may your love grow in our hearts and shape our minds that we might act with love today and every day. Amen. So welcome to our first uh, Sunday in our series for Lent on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A big list, maybe a little daunting of a list. But what gives me comfort is it does not say the fruit of our good effort, or the fruit of our work, or the fruit of our ingenuity, or the fruit of our cleverness. It says none of those. It says the fruit of the Spirit. And so what I believe is that this is not a checklist for what it is to live a good life or to be a good Christian. That if you can say, love, yep, do that. Joy, yep, do that. Peace, yep, do that. If you can go down the list and say, yes, that you do all those things, then you're good, and then God loves you. I think that has it backwards. And it actually works the other way around. That it begins with God loving us. It begins with God choosing us. It begins with God claiming our lives. And then... The fruit of the Spirit uh, grows up from God's action in our hearts. God, who is at work in our lives, brings forth that fruit. So it's not if I do the right things by being loving, joyful, peaceful, gentle, etc. It's that God will be at work in my life, at work in all of our lives, and in work in our life as a community. And the evidence of that will be fruit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, self-control, all of these things are the product of God's work. They're not what we do to earn God's love. And that's an important distinction that often we sometimes get wrong. We feel like we need to earn God's love by doing the right things or believing the right things or saying the right things. But that's not how God works. God loves us and God chooses us in all of our mistakes and failings. God loves us just as much. And so it's good that we have stories like our reading from the Corinthians. Because if you want to talk about a people who got it wrong and did silly things, then the Corinthians are some of the best examples we have in Scripture. We're told that they had no less than five factions in their church. And this wouldn't be a very big church. So they had already splintered off into five groups, uh, says something of how uh, shaped they were by conflict as a church. We're told that they were divided between the rich and the poor in this church, and that the rich people in this church like to show off their wealth and made the poor people in this church uh, feel left out. Uh, we're told that they were in conflict over how to live, uh, that they were constantly bickering with each other. And so Paul, the writer of this letter, gives them all kinds of advice about being united, but being together. Talks about how they're like one body with many parts and they each need each other. Talks about how there is one spirit uh, who brings them together. And then there is this beautiful chapter that we read, 1 Corinthians 13. Now it's um, a quirk of our current age that often this chapter is read at weddings. Now, there's a number of different uh, 
ways of thinking about love. In, in English, we really just use one word primarily to talk about love. And so it's everything from, you know, I love my partner to I love freedom to I love tacos. We use the same word to describe all these different feelings. And while I love my partner and I love tacos, I don't think it's the same kind of love. Uh, but in English, we use one word to describe a whole range of feelings. Greek uses uh, a number of different words to talk about love. Uh, there, and in our Bible study, we talked about these different ways uh, and how we can um, think about those. And the word for love here is a word agape. I'll invite you to say that with me, agape. Agape love is a self-sacrificing love. It is a love that seeks the good of the other and expects nothing in return. It is the love of, for God so loved the world, for God so agape the world. When Jesus says to love your neighbor, it is to agape your neighbor. It is to be willing to lay down your life for your friends. It's a love that transcends barriers, a love that seeks the good of the other no matter what. It's the love that a parent has for a child or a child for a parent. Uh, agape is uh, the deepest and most powerful form of love. Other kinds of love are good, but here we're told not romantic love. It's not romantic love is patient and romantic love is kind. It is this self-sacrificing love, this agape. And of course, good marriages have plenty of agape love sustaining them. They have other kinds of love too. But when Paul is writing this, he's not talking about uh, two people dedicating their lives to one another. He's talking to a church that is broken into at least five factions, that is uh, split in two between rich and poor, that is uh, divided where some people think they're more important than other people. And it's to these people that he says, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast, love does not puff itself up in arrogance, love is not hurtful, love does not seek after selfish gain, love does not grow bitter or resentful, Love does not celebrate injustice. Love celebrates the truth. He says more of what love doesn't do than he says of what love is. And the things that he says love doesn't do are precisely written to this church that is divided into factions and that is split between rich and poor. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love does not puff itself up in arrogance. Love does not seek after selfish gain. Love does not celebrate injustice. The love that Paul is lifting up to the church in Corinth is a love where that people would be willing to lay down their lives for one another, a love that they would sacrifice their own good for the sake of their sister or brother or relative in Christ. And this is a love that the world needs and the love that every age needs. The Reverend Dr. Cornell West, a brilliant um, thinker, theologian, philosopher, and activist, says that love in public looks like justice. The love that we have, the love that in our private sphere looks like tenderness, that looks like gentleness, that looks like patience, that when you think of what love is uh, on the scale of a community or of a nation or a world, love in public looks like justice. And this is exactly what Paul is talking about. 
because the church in Corinth, we're told, was deeply divided between rich and poor, deeply divided between the most important people and the least important people, that you would have uh, the equivalent in our day of uh, billionaires and homeless people sitting side by side in this church. And this was a major source of tension for them. We're preparing ourselves to share the Lord's Supper in a moment. And in Corinth, what was happening was the rich people were bringing all kinds of fancy food and drink uh, to the Lord's Supper and eating it while the poor people next to them had nothing. And they were making a mockery of this meal that we share together. And so Paul tells them uh, the instructions on how they are uh, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, instructions that we follow still today. And so when we gather at table, we're following the instructions that Paul gave to this community about how they were to be united and shaped by love as we gather uh, at the table of love that Jesus prepares for us. And so in our time, our world is just as divided between rich and poor as it has ever been. It's hard to know exactly how to count these things, but by many estimates, the gap between rich and poor globally or in Canada is at the greatest it maybe has ever been in human history. We have people who have billions of dollars, more than you can even fathom, uh, and then we have people who go hungry, people who don't have housing, or people who don't have access to medicines they need. That, that both of these exist side by side in one of the richest uh, times in human history where we have more uh, than we could ever imagine what to do with, that in this moment where we are fabulously wealthy by the standards of human history, that in this time we've chosen to let some people not have homes, or we've chosen to let some people go hungry, or we've decided that only certain people get medicine, I think that that is absurd. And that is precisely what Paul is talking about that is the opposite of love. Love does not uh, look at a neighbor and say that they deserve to go hungry or that they deserve to not have a home or that they don't deserve access to medicine. Love instead is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love does not puff itself up in arrogance. Love is not hurtful. Love does not seek after selfish gain. Love does not grow bitter or resentful. Love does not celebrate injustice. Love celebrates the truth. Love bears all things. Love trusts all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. We're shown the way of love in the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He chose as his followers not the rich or the powerful or the important, but peasants, fishers, teenagers, sex workers, women who had been uh, by disease and social custom cast out from society. He chose the last people you would expect to be the heart of his movement. And he chose it because love does not impose conditions. Love doesn't look at a neighbor and say, well, if you were more like me, then I could love you. Love looks at a neighbor, a friend, a relative, and loves that person exactly as they are. Love does not seek to change people to make them more like ourselves. Love honors and celebrates the differences that we share. And love seeks to build a community where all can find their place and no one is left behind. 
That is what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 13. That is the love that Paul is lifting up to us. A love shaped by the way of Jesus. A love shaped by the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's the love that we are called to bear fruit in our time. Not uh, you know, the sort of love you might put on a greeting card, but a love where we would lay down our lives for our friends. A love where we would uh, give away everything we had for people in need. A love where we would build societies of inclusion and of justice. That's the challenge of love, this Lent and always. Amen.